Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey there, folks. This is Justin Hiles of the Viva La Cats podcast, which is now proudly presented by the Big 12's premier podcasting group, the 1012 Network. My co-host Steve and I cover all the ins and outs of Cincinnati football and basketball, for better or for worse. We release a new episode every single week, sometimes with guests, sometimes it's just the two of us kicking back talking Bearcats. So, if you like raw emotion and heavy recency bias, we are definitely victims of that. It clouds our conscious, and it should cloud yours too. We also have an every once in a while Twitter Spaces post-game review on our page at Pod on Twitter, where we invite all of our friends and enemies to discuss everything that we just witnessed minutes prior. If you like your podcast with a laid-back environment, way too serious about stupid ideas, the deepest of stat pools, or just straight-up white noise, then you've come to your one-stop shop for everything Bearcats. Viva Cats. Welcome back to the Rock and Shock Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitt. Today, we are getting ready for two gigantic Big 12 tournaments. There is the men's side, where the Kansas Jayhawks are your number one overall seed in the tournament, looking to try to get a automatic bid to the NCAA tournament and lock up the overall number one next week on Selection Sunday. And then on the women's side, we have a Kansas team that is the seventh seed in the tournament, will be playing in the first round. Um against TCU, the team that they just walloped on Saturday. Um, lots of great stuff. I, yeah, well, right now we are going to be previewing today the men's side of the tournament. It does start on Wednesday. We have Ari Temkin of uh, Big 12 Sports Radio over on Sirius XM that is coming to talk to us about that as we preview everything going on there. But um, we will do some sort of preview of the women's side later in the week, probably in an episode that will release on Wednesday morning to help get you ready for that with that tournament starting on Thursday. Um, still working to line up a guest for that one. Might have Jamie come back on. We might have something else going on because honestly, if Kansas and Iowa state face each other on Saturday, then we will be having a, uh, a, a great crossover episode of the cycle and family podcast with the rock talk podcast. It will happen in live and in person because both of us will be in Kansas city, but that is neither here nor there. Let us, uh, we are going to go ahead and jump over. Um, you know, just other results before we jump over to talk with Ari, um, Kansas baseball dropped their first series of the year 
um, by, you know, a, they, they lost two to one against the Belmont Bruins, two games to one. But in the one game that they won, it was a, 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 a complete game shutout for Sam Ireland of the Jayhawks, one of their new pitchers. Um, you know, they, they won five to nothing in that one, but unfortunately we're not able to actually pull out the entire series. They will have a single game coming up on Wednesday, the home opener against Wichita State at Hoagland Ballpark. So make sure if you are not going to be in town in Kansas City for the start of the men's tournament that evening, and you know Kansas is not playing that evening, so plenty of reasons for you to stay and go over to Lawrence and sell and and uh, you know support that baseball team there that are doing a fantastic job. There's a ton, you know, women's tennis has won eight straight um, matches, including they just finished up over the weekend a uh, a match against the number 22 Old Dominion team um, in Norfolk, Virginia. So, you know, they've won eight straight. They are ranked number 17. And Kansas is, uh, you know, looking really good. This is a tennis program that has been very good for the last few years. We have had Coach Todd Chapman on the podcast before. Love talking with him and probably going to have to, especially if they continue to win at this clip, have another episode where we have him on or somebody from the program to kind of talk about what they're doing and how you guys can support them. Um, but great, great tennis being played right now by Kansas. So definitely support them if you find if, if you are able to. The next match that they have is going to be up in Ames uh, starting on Friday. Or I'm sorry, on Friday they will be in Ames and and will be. So you, you won't be able to actually go support them this week. But they'll be in Ames to take on number seven Iowa State on Friday. And then on Sunday, they will be traveling to Morgantown to take on West Virginia. Next week, you will have an opportunity on Friday, um, You know, assuming that Kansas is not playing. Well, even if they are playing, you'll have an opportunity to go support them as they are hosting uh, number 46 Baylor and then number 10 Texas next weekend. So be looking for ways you can help support this tennis team. Really looking forward to seeing what they're able to do the rest of the year. And, of course, before we get over there, we have to talk about the fantastic sponsor we have here on the podcast. That is Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. They just got done just this last week and a half or so ago with the limited edition release of the Kansas line that they had. They had joggers. They had a fantastic hooded sweatshirt that went along with that but they have a ton of new shirts they have a 1988 championship shirt that is actually still in stock at this point they have added a bunch of new things they have a KU quarter zip that I believe is still in stock as I am recording this but it's really close to being out it looks like so you might want to head on over there as soon as you hear this and take a look at that they have so many different great things you're going to find so many great patterns whether it is KU or any of the other schools you know I have stuff from University of Delaware from uh, you know I have Zot from uh, UCSB I have all kinds of stuff from all over the place. I have an Iowa State shirt um, because, honestly, Marching Sai is a great shirt to have, even if you do not root for for them. I have a, a few other shirts that are on my like wish list of ones that I want to get. But, look, my wife has a couple you know, different owls. She has a Rice Owl sweatshirt and a Temple Owls t-shirt. They are, have so many different great things you're going to love. You're going to find logos from schools that you have no affiliation with that you just absolutely have to have. If you go over to, to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHALK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 have free shipping. So head on over to Homefield Apparel. That promo code is CHALK12 to save that 15%. Um, you know They have so many different great things, and they're going to be doing some fun stuff during the NCAA tournament. Um, I believe the one of the promos, if you listen to our to our flagship podcast here on the Tentoil Podcast Network. 
They did talk about some of the promos that they're doing, including a sending you a random shirt um, or a mystery shirt from the men and the women. So you have teams to root for throughout the entire NCAA tournament. But make sure you go ahead and visit Homefield Apparel, promo code Chalk12. All right, so we will go ahead at this point, take just a quick break, and then I'll get you over to the uh, the chat that I had with Ari Tempian to preview the men's side of the Big 12 tournament. We'll be right back on the Rock Talk podcast. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov careers slash USBP. Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only, Tortillas and Takes podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people. And we are back. I am joined now by uh, Ari Temkin of Big 12 Radio over on Sirius XM. Ari, how you doing today? Great, Andy. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Welcome back to the pod. It's uh, it's that special time of year, right, when we get into conference tournaments, get ready for March Madness, which is literally the best time on all of the sports calendar. Um, you know, you can you can fight me all you want on that if you're somebody that does not agree, but... Right now, like, honestly, this is the best 30-day period of the entire sports calendar with so much great college basketball, both on the men's and women's side. But looking at the men's Big 12 bracket, which is now set after a wild Saturday um, where you had a lot of different upsets and a lot of teams that, that honestly, I was surprised with the way that those results went. So as we go into the tournament, um, which of those results that happened on Saturday do you think is most indicative of what's going to happen for those teams in the postseason? Wow. Well, I hope not, Kansas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think Kansas is the one. I, I mean, I'm I'm honestly thinking something along the lines of, like, for example, um, Baylor and Iowa State. Do you think either of those teams, and whether, you know, they rematch in the Big 12 tournament, but going into, into postseason play, whether it is the Big 12 conference tournament or the NCAA tournament, I mean, does that does that particular result resonate in terms of what you think is likely for either of those teams, whether it's Baylor or Iowa State, or is there another team that you kind of look at it and and think, man, that's what we actually should be preparing for? Yeah, it's a great question, Andy. Um, you know, because look, I think when you win, when you lose, your flaws are there. You know, when you win, you try to hide, you're able to hide those flaws a little bit better than when you lose. Um, you know, will I look at the Kansas loss to Texas and, you know, think, oh, they're doomed? No. But I also think we can't look at that and completely say that there aren't things within there that scare you. And look, I mean, I think there's a lot of truth in that in any of these games. Baylor, let's start with Baylor, okay? Baylor really struggles with their their defense, especially at the rim. Um, you know, I was at the Kansas-Baylor game in Waco, and even though Kansas lost the game, the Jayhawks were able to get to the rim at will on Baylor. The issue was they just weren't able to get there enough and without turning the ball over. So, but when they did, like they just 
were able to, and, and like teams have consistently been able to do that on Baylor. Uh, Texas didn't do that when Texas lost to Baylor in a game because Texas didn't do that enough. You know, and then we saw Texas get to the rim at will on Kansas in a game where it's like, why doesn't Tyrese Hunter do that more? Um, so for Baylor, like this is what they struggled with against Iowa State. Iowa State is a team that can't score the basketball, but was able to pretty efficiently against Baylor because they just got the ball inside and went after them inside. And anytime Baylor got the game close, that's what Iowa State did. They just would would calm calm the ball down and get the ball inside. So um, that I mean, Baylor can outscore you, and they've got you know I mean when you look at with the inclusion now of Dale Bonner, so Flagler, Cryer, Deontay George, now Dale Bonner. I mean that that is as good of a four you know group of four guards that there is in the country. Um, so like their strength is their guard play. And scoring, their weaknesses is is their defense and their straight line defense. And I don't want to call it their interior defense because it, I just think it's teams can get to the rim at will on them, um, and that's a struggle. Um, you know, for Kansas, and, and you know why they lost against Texas, I think they were just outplayed by better guards in that game. Um, now we can look at the motivational piece and say how motivated was Kansas. You know, the the Big Twelve is already wrapped up, and you know, and so from a motivational perspective, I think that certainly plays into it. I struggle with Kansas' depth. That's my concern about our Jayhawks this year is, is their depth. You know, I used to be more concerned probably with their interior depth, but I think the emergence of, of Uday, you know, changes that a bit. But, yeah, I mean, they, they're not getting anything right now from Pettiford um, or from Yesifu. And so, like, that's a struggle. When they go to their bench to go to their guards, they're just not getting much. And so you look at the game on Saturday, it's like, well, we know that Jalen Wilson can't be, you know, 23 to 30, you know, he, he, there needs to be more scoring up and down the lineup. And like, I think what Texas did to Grady Dick was they put Marcus Carr on him. They kind of denied him and Kansas forgot about him a little bit. And I think Kansas at some point has to force feed Grady Dick a little bit because that seems to be a huge piece to their success is getting Grady Dick going because we know Wilson can get his, and when it's like when nobody else can get theirs, they struggle. And it starts with Grady Dick. Yeah. I think, the only player on Kansas's roster that can shoulder a huge load like that, right, take on four other people, would be Jalen Wilson. He's shown he's been able to do that multiple times and have success. All the rest of those players, they're not – I don't think that they're well-equipped to say, you're not able to give us what we need tonight, so I'm going to replace that. Um, you know, you t- I, I've, I've talked multiple times on this podcast about Kevin McCuller and how he can do a lot of different things, but he can't do multiple things at once. Um, like he has to find a role for him in a particular game and then fill that role. And if you try to get him to do more than one role in a particular game, it doesn't work out well. Dewan Harris, as great as he is, he does need to have some sort of backup. Like he needs Pettiford and or Yesifu to at least have some sort of semblance of offense and some ability to help shoulder some of that load for, for distributing the ball and, you know, and, and running the offense. And recently Pettiford and Yesifu just haven't had it. And, and you're right. Like that's, when when a team can take away Grady Dick the way that they did, and then Pettiford and Yes who don't step up to fill that void, the rest of the team that's already out there isn't able to take on the entire load of what Grady Dick normally does. And so that's what I'm you're right. Like I'm concerned about that as a Kansas fan for them. They have for the most part been able to kind of shoulder that. They ran up against a team in Texas that was highly motivated. Um, you know, I, I think I think one thing that isn't necessarily talked about is, you know, it was the last home game for Rodney Terry as the interim head coach. And he is pushing really hard to be able to get that job. And, and honestly, with the way that he's performed in that role, 
I think he's probably earned it. Now the question is, is, you know, it is Texas we're talking about. Like they're, they're not well known for making great decisions in terms of, you know, head coaching hires, especially on the basketball side. So I will be very, very interested to see what they actually do there. Um, you know, whether they decide or whether donors decide that Rodney Terry's not the guy that they want leading. And so they, they force them off into some other direction, but Rodney Terry has done a great job at Texas this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you just go up and down the entire big 12 conference. And there are stories like that for every single one of these teams. This is probably the most intrigued I've been going into a big 12 tournament in a really long time. Yeah. I mean, and especially given that, you know, I, I think at this point, six teams are locks. There's probably eight spots, maybe seven for the big 12 with Oklahoma state and West Virginia kind of in need of a win on Wednesday in need of wins on Wednesday in order to do that. Um, you know, I, I, I'd go so far as to say that, you know, there's eight teams in, but yeah, I mean, Oklahoma state beats Oklahoma, West Virginia gets a win. And I think both of those teams are probably in two. So you're probably looking at eight teams. And motivation plays a huge role in, in in who wins the Big 12 tournament. I don't know how you know motivated Kansas is. This is an experienced team that's, you know, gearing up to try to win a national championship here. And so motivation is probably a little bit thin when it comes to, you know, winning a Big 12 championship in this type of a setting. Um, but I do want to see, you know, more opportunities for Kansas to be sort of put into uncomfortable situations. Um, you know, we, we just lingered a bit there on – um, on on Harris and McCuller. And look, I think those two guys are really, really important. But like the Texas game is a good example of when Dewan Harris is doing the bulk of your scoring early on, you're probably in trouble because you you cannot count on him to be a consistent scorer. The, what Dewan Harris needs to do for this team is distribute the basketball, you know, get, you know, be be sort of the leader um, and then make some steals and get, get in passing lanes on defense. And that, that's his role. And, you know, like I'm, I don't want to say that Grady Dick is the most important player for this team, but it seems like things on offense are so much easier when Dick is commanding that attention and dragging out, you know, helps help defense further out from three point line. And all of a sudden, you get driving lanes for Dewan Harris. Now he's able to find inside guys, you know, in Uday and whoever else for dunks. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, th- th- this tournament loaded the Big Twelve tournament. That is. It's it's a cliche at this point to, to talk about just how incredible the Big 12 is. It is. Um, this is as good as it's been, and it's been a conference that's been really good. And, you know, at, at this point, all these teams are kind of sick and tired of seeing each other. You know, this is also the last year of the round robin. So you think about, like, you know, the home and home, playing everybody, and then going potentially for a third time to play these teams. You know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it plays out, especially with all the, you know, the animosity from the season that, that, that played out against these teams that don't like each other in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. So a couple of different things. First of all, your your point on Dewan Harris, I think it's a good one. For a long time this season, if Dewan Harris was scoring, it was because everything else was going well enough that right. he was comfortable right. enough going to score. He has gotten to be more aggressive now. I think in terms of looking to score earlier, which has been great because for the you know for a long time we've all said he needs to be more aggressive. He's a good shooter. He can actually score. He needs to try to do it. The problem. Well, he is, needs to, to to keep the right. to keep the defense honest. He right, right. To, but 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 I think shoot. part of the problem now is that it's kind of swung in the other direction where things aren't necessarily going well. So he's starting to feel like he has to score. In which case, like that's more. It's been more of a symptom, especially super early, where things just. That was the Texas game on Saturday. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He he felt the pressure to score early, and the, and and you could tell like he was. He was pushing to make sure that he was helping to push the offense along, but he wasn't doing it the way he normally does, which is getting other people involved and then cleaning up with his own points. He was 
getting his own points first because it didn't look like anyone else was really kind of ready to be set up by him. So um, to your to your point, though, about Oklahoma State and West Virginia, I, I'm of the opinion that I think that West Virginia is probably in no matter what. Um, I, I think that they could lose to Texas Tech and still make it in fairly comfortably. Um, now, it'll probably be one of like the last four buys or even potentially in, um, you know, in one of those play-in games. But I don't think West Virginia has to worry about getting into the tournament. Now, if, if they want to have a decent seed, if they want to avoid having to play in Dayton, then they need to win against Texas Tech. But um, Oklahoma State's the one that I'm worried about with how, how many losses they've had recently, you know, all of the issues that they had. And, and, and West Virginia, especially because they just beat Kansas State. Like, if they hadn't beaten Kansas State, um, you know, if they had won something earlier and then lost to Kansas State and had that kind of taste in your mouth, then, then I could see where they would probably still be a little bit questionable. But Oklahoma State has been um, very very poor down the stretch. I think it's probably the best or the nicest way to say it. They've been, they run into a little bit of bad luck, but they just have not played very well. They cannot afford a loss to Oklahoma. But I, I also don't, I think that a win against Oklahoma is enough to get them in the tournament, but I think they probably want to win against Texas to, to feel safe in the, in the field. So. Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma state lost five straight before, you know, win uh, to close out the, the big 12 slate that went over Texas tech. Um, which has now sent Texas Tech into a tailspin. But um, and look, I mean, it, it's funny too from the standpoint of their conference records because we kind of talked throughout the year about like, well, seven wins be enough, you know, seven Big Twelve wins is a lot. What Oklahoma State's at eight, I think uh, West Virginia's at six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it, it's it's sort of funny because I agree with you, like that West Virginia's probably done enough at this point. Oklahoma State hasn't, and so much of that has to do with how they played on the stretch of the season. Oklahoma State's an interesting case study here because you know they they have a lot of experience um this this team and i've talked about that this year kind of reminds me a little bit about texas tech in the past where like they just have a lot of experience they've got a lot of guys with chips in their shoulder you know john michael wright is a guy that they got from high point um caleb asbury is a guy they got from texas state like these are guys that are you know older um more experienced physical players that are trying to prove themselves at this level kind of like texas tech last year with some of the older players that had come from kind of lesser you know, acclaimed uh, conferences that are trying to prove themselves and, and, and prove their worth. So um, I think both of those teams, while they're on the bubble from a Big 12 standpoint, can make some noise in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think there's a lot of different teams here that can make some noise in the tournament. So it'll be very interesting. But right. um, you you talked earlier about motivation. I, I do wonder, um, you know, because I think last year we were kind of in the same boat, right, where Kansas looked like they were going to be a number one seed fairly comfortably. We all questioned, like, how motivated were they going to be to win the tournament, um, you know, in in Kansas City? And and while they definitely seemed like they wanted to, you know, get that hardware, they wanted to have it, they they always say that, right? Like, you always go in, it's like, if you're going to play in the tournament, you might as well win them all. Um, but it didn't seem like there was any extra motivation. But then you could tell when they got to that championship game against Texas Tech just how much they wanted to be there and how much they fed off of that experience going through the NCAA tournament. So it feels weird to say you know, and, and we have said it in plenty of plenty of times in the past, like, you know, the year that they got upset by TCU in the quarterfinals, you know, as the, the, the one seed against the nine. Like, we have seen instances where this team doesn't necessarily look like it really cares too much about this conference tournament. But then we've also seen very recently some some pretty big momentum that they build off of a good showing in the tournament and then being able to turn that into a big run in the NCAA tournament. So, I have a feeling that they're going to come out fired up for this one, especially the way that they lost to Texas. They want to have at least one good game where they feel like everything's back where it needs to be before they kind of take it off. So 
whether they play West Virginia or Texas Tech, I think that they match up really well against both of those teams. And if they're a motivated team, it's hard for me to imagine them getting upset by either of those teams. Um, the question then becomes how far does that motivation carry? And at what point does a team finally have enough to just kind of get over the hump? Let me ask you this. Did last year change the way you view the tournament or anything about the tournament? I, I don't know that it did for me. Um, I think it changed the way that I think about how the teams themselves get motivated by the tournament. Because again, it looked like last year, like you had plenty of reasons for why the big 12 tournament didn't matter for Kansas last year, but you found out pretty quickly, you know, how important it was to Remy Martin, how important it was to David McCormick, how important it was to some of those players to make sure that they had that big run. And so I think I'm at the point now where I realize I don't really know what that motivation looks like for them. Like we can hear what they say and we can, you know, look at what, at what Bill Self has done historically and like what this team has done. But the way that this, this entire sport has changed with the transfer portal, with everything that goes on, the makeups of teams are a lot different. Now you have a lot of different motivations that mesh from year to year and what looks like it's probably a carryover from the year prior isn't necessarily because some of the key players are different. The reason I asked that question, I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But um, so, I mean, the motivation for the Jayhawks is is getting to Kansas City, right. right? Whether or not they have that right now, nobody knows, right? But they're motivated by they want to be the number one overall seed and they want to play in Kansas City. And I guarantee you that's what Bill Self is saying to them. And there's the really only the, one way to make sure that happens, and that's to win the Big Dog Tournament. Right, right, exactly. Um, now, the, the, I asked the question about, like, did last year's Jayhawks team change your opinion of the tournament? And not, like, the Big 12 tournament. I guess what I meant is the NCAA tournament. Oh, and okay. For me, it didn't change anything as much as it reinforced what we consistently think about the tournament, and that is, like, the importance of matchups. And, like, oh, gosh, we have yes. seen – we have seen – so many good, more talented Jayhawk teams, and I'm not saying more talented than last year. I'm just saying we have seen some really good Kansas basketball teams over the last 20 years that lost early on simply because of matchups. We've seen the 2018 team was not one of Bill Self's best teams. The the 2012 team that lost to Kentucky in the national championship game, that team wasn't nearly oh, as good as the other teams that we've seen. <laughs> Right. So, like, it, it just – and, like, last year's team was a really good team, really good team. The difference between last year's team and some of these other teams is matchups. Like, they had a good draw going into the tournament. And I don't, I don't know what that draw is this year. I think it's interior depth. Like, I think interior depth would hurt them. I think, a, like, a, a, t- a team with size, like an Arizona, could potentially hurt them. But then it's like – maybe not. I mean, maybe it's a team well, that – Well, right, but, like, like t- you look at what happened against Kentucky, right? Like, uh, Oscar Shibway had a horrible night yeah. against – like yeah. when, when Ernest Uday went up and challenged him, he was up to the task. I mean, it, honestly, I said this that night. It was like that performance from Uday reminded me a lot of the performance for, for Cole Aldrich against Tyler Hansborough in, in the final four in 08. Mm-hmm. Like it was completely out of left field. And all of a sudden this, you know, freshman who hadn't really found his footing had a huge night against who was arguably probably the best big man in all of college basketball. And then the speed that you got from KJ Adams was just something that Shibway could not handle for whatever reason. And so this is a team like normally I would be worried about in, you know, depth, but what we've seen time and time again and how KJ Adams has been successful is that 
He is not a traditional big man. He is small, but he is fast. And normally, like, normally I think in the past we've talked about how, oh, well, when Kansas goes up against, you know, teams that are big, that they'll just go faster than them. And usually, like, that's the way you think that they're going to compete, but they're not actually fast enough compared to the other team to actually take advantage of that. This is a very quick team. They are very quick on their first step. They can get around guys. They can do a lot of things that those other teams we thought they'd be able to do, and and they just couldn't. This is a team that can take advantage of that quickness. Um, now, whether they're going to be able to do that time and time again as teams get better and better at scouting and, and you know, have seen it, you know, for three weeks in a row, you know, th- I don't think that they can live off of that against every single matchup that they have. But it is another thing in Bill South's arsenal to be able to switch the way that they play and have that base being the quick post guys and then the changeup being what he's used to in terms of a big guy down low that can really – you know, bang down in the paint. Yeah, no, and um, I would say one of the strengths of this year's team is the ability to be multifaceted, to be a chameleon, to kind of blend your surroundings and and, and play that style, which is, so that's where it's like, all right, return to the question, like what's the style that hurts Kansas? And maybe it's what we saw against Texas when we saw, we saw Kansas do what they did against Baylor, and they've got as good a guards as Texas does, so – um, it'll be, I, and by the way, I didn't mean to turn this into a, let's talk about KU this entire time. No, podcast. no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Honestly, it is a I mean, Kansas-centric right. podcast. It, is, it is a KU podcast, so. right. And like, we are, we are previewing the Big 12 tournament, but how that affects us going into the NCAA tournament. And, and I'm going to be honest, like most people are probably interested in how all this is, you know, going to match up. So let, let's go ahead and take a look right. though, in terms of the bracket, you know, Kansas, assuming that they get past West Virginia or Texas Tech, they have Baylor and Iowa State waiting for them in the semifinals. Um, which of those two teams do you think is going to be more troublesome for the Jayhawks? Or do you think that either of them are really going to give Kansas a, a problem based off of what we've seen recently? So Iowa State, because of how good their defense can be. Um, now, Iowa State offensively, I mean, these are, these are kind of the opposites, Iowa State and Baylor. Um, you know, now we saw Iowa State just beat Baylor in Waco with an impressive win, and they swept Baylor. So they're they're going for three straight against Baylor in that potential matchup. But – I mean, Baylor is not good defensively. They're a strong offense. Um, Iowa State is not great offensively. They have a strong defense. Now, I do think their offense has more upside. And here's the, the wild card. Like, Caleb Grill, who is a really important piece for them this year, is not on the team anymore. And the way that they played against Baylor, you wonder if, like, there's some addition by subtraction there, just based on the distraction that he was providing for this team over the last few weeks. You know, it's, it's a one-game sample, so it's, it's a little bit too early to say anything, you know, unequivocally. But certainly – that's, you know, that's a potential factor here is how much is this a potentially additional by subtraction when you lose a guy like Grill. Um, but Baylor, I, I like the potential Baylor matchup just because of what we talked about with Texas, where it's like, all right, Kansas can't match them with the four guards they have. So what, what are they able to do that sort of takes that away? It sort of, you know, neutralizes that. Because that, again, Kansas – Kansas just doesn't have the scoring guards we're used to seeing, right? Like you're on Dewan Harris and Kevin McCullough and Jay in Yesifu and, and, um, you know, and, and, and I know we're going to count Gray Dick as a guard, but just based on those four, um, I mean, that, that's not a, you know, a behemoth offensive machine. So just curious in a ba- potential Baylor matchup, like how, how does Kansas match up, especially because George did play in the game that Kansas uh, beat them in where he went off in the first half and then Kansas just destroyed them in the second half. But Dale Bonner's emerged after Keontae George has gone down for a few games with an injury. It's like, all right, how, how, do the, how does that team continue to evolve and develop with four guards now 
playing a majority of their their minutes because those four guards can really score and they're explosive. The other side of that, though, is they just don't challenge you defensively. And so it's, you know, are you going to get better work and better prep against an Iowa State team that challenges you defensively? Yeah, I, I think to the point about Caleb Grill, like, unfortunately, before they play Kansas, assuming that they make it to Kansas, we're not really going to know, right? Because either... Iowa State just had a really good matchup against Baylor. And if they play really well against Baylor again, well, then it's the same matchup that's right. happened like a week, you know, less than a week apart. And you don't learn anything necessarily new from them doing it twice, other than the fact that either there's a really good matchup or they're a whole lot better without Caleb Grill being, you know, in the in the equation there for, for how they have to think about things. Um, but, like, I talked about this over on the 1012 podcast. Like, this is... This is one of those things, you know, because we saw the the senior year for LeGerald Vick, right? Like, after he left the team to go deal with some family stuff, the team gelled. The team got to where they needed to be because they didn't have to wonder, is Vick coming back? You know, is he doing right. all of this stuff? Like, it, it, it created certainty and it allowed them to settle into their role and not have to worry about whether that role was actually going to be a long-term kind of thing. And I think that can, you know... You can look at that same sort of thing here. Now, granted, we had a lot more games to kind of see that develop in the regular season for the Jayhawks. We did not, you know, we, we, we have to kind of figure out here on the fly how much of an impact that's going to be. But how they play against Kansas, I think, will go a long way towards determining how long I think that they can go in the tournament. Because if they play against Kansas really well, and it, you know, seems like the offense is starting to get some movement, then you can say that Caleb Grill is probably an addition by subtraction there just because of that certainty that it gives not, not necessarily, you know, saying that they should have gotten rid of grill a lot earlier or anything like that. Just once you settle the situation, it it helps the team to settle into where they need to be. But, you know, Baylor is one of those teams, I think just as much as Kansas, that if they get on a roll, they get on a roll, but if things start to go bad, it can snowball pretty badly. And, and we saw that against, against, you know, in, in the Kansas Baylor game in Allen Fieldhouse where it was going really bad for Kansas in the first half went really bad for Baylor in the second half. And it just completely snowballed in each of those cases. So Kansas is, I think, to lesser a degree because their defense is the part that's really, really good night in and night out. Um, lesser of a degree to have that kind of snowball on them. But we've seen it happen. That's what I'm worried about, I think, as a Kansas fan is if Grady Dick is off on a particular night and can't seem to get it turned around. you know, Or if Dewan Harris is being aggressive with the shots but just not hitting anything. Those can snowball pretty badly if you're not prepared to pivot and find something else that works. Yeah. Um, why do you, why do you think Kansas is not getting the credit for being as good of a defense as they have they've had this year? I think honestly, I think it's just because like you look at the gaudy stats, they're not there. Dwan Harris's defense is not predicated on getting a ton of steals or a ton of blocks or a ton, you know, it's, it's playing good face up defense and making, you know, either denying his guy the ball so that they can never get it to him or just making him take bad shots. But that doesn't show up in terms of counting statistics that he gets. And I think it's the same way with Kevin McCuller. Like most of what Kevin McCuller has done that is counting statistics wise is on the offensive end and has not been great. But those two do so well at disrupting schemes that it's, you know, it's difficult. And I mean, they, they were both on the all big 12 defensive team for a reason, because they are so good at stopping teams from getting into the rhythm that they want to get into. But again, most people, when they look at defenses, look at players and try to give those accolades, you know, Dewan Harris was not on any of the point guard, you know, award lists at all because he just doesn't have stats that everyone's looking for. And, and I think that's the biggest problem with, you know, trying to do those sorts of things is that, you look at all of these teams and the immediate filter is 
who has those gaudy assist numbers, who has those, you know, great stats. Dewan Harris has a fantastic assist to turnover ratio. The problem is you look at the number of assists that he has, it's it's pretty good, but it's not up there with the other top point guards. And so he just gets overlooked. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I 100% think it's because they just don't have a a god, you know, a center that's blocking shots and protecting the rim yeah. and, and, you know, and a, a human highlight reel. I, I think Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller, they are two extremely intelligent basketball players, and that's what makes them helps to make them so good defensively is they're, they just, they, they play on a string together. And like, that's something you can't teach. You know, you can only hope to develop that with players. And, and obviously in, in getting Kevin McCullough to transfer over to Kansas and in knowing Dewan Harris, I'm sure Bill Self had some semblance of an idea that it would work out in that capacity because those two are two really smart players that can defend at a high level. But yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. They've been top 15 all year. It seems like in Ken Palm defense and yet like nobody really recognizes them for being elite defense. And it's sort of funny because I agree completely. It's it's that's based almost entirely on the fact that this is just a team that just doesn't have crazy highlights and gaudy stats that, that jump out at you on defense. Yeah, I mean they're they're the number nine defense in Ken Palm right now, and they've been yeah. like top ten for most of the year. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about just how good of a defense they've been. And when you look at them, like you're not most people don't think about defense no. for whatever reason. And, and I mean they have the best. I, I think they. Do they have the best defense in the Big 12 or at least one of the best defense in the Big 12? No. Well, actually, one play uh, Oklahoma State did. Yeah, Iowa State is seventh in Ken Palm right now, and Kansas is ninth. Like, they're right behind. Where's Oklahoma State? Because Oklahoma State was right there, too. Oklahoma State was. They're now down at 19. So, they yeah, have fallen. They five. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they've fallen quite a bit. But, you know, a lot of that, I think, is just the entire team having issues. So, all right. So, um, I mean, I, I feel good about Kansas opportunity to get to the championship game just because of the way that those matchups are like you are looking at a bunch of teams that have some significant flaws that Kansas has been able to take advantage of during the season on the bottom side of the bracket you know with teams like Texas you, you, you have Texas Oklahoma State Oklahoma Kansas State and TCU which one of those teams intrigues you the most as kind of a dark horse to come out of there and give Kansas the toughest game in the championship and TCU um, simply because like obviously they beat Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse by 23. Um, we still don't know, like this is a team that is capable of being a final four team. You know, it, it's just whether or not they can get Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin healthy and playing at a high level at the same time. It seems like, you know, Lampkin will play and then he'll have to sit because he's just not healthy. Um, I mean, he's a beast in the middle and he does so much for them. And then Mike Miles is, I mean, he's an elite offensive player and, so, I mean, that, that's a team that scares me because it's like they haven't really played to their potential for the most part, basically since Mike Miles went down in that Mississippi State game with an injury. So um, I'm just intrigued by TCU because I think they're a high-variance team. I think, you know, if, if they can get healthy and in this tournament, that's something that I'm interested to see if they do. Um, Lampkin and Mike Miles, are that's a dynamic duo. Those guys just need to get healthy. So that team would be really good. And then not to, make, not to even mention Damian Ball, who, I mean – probably the most underrated player in the Big 12 playing alongside Mike Miles. But that you think about the guard play we talked about with Texas and Baylor, with TCU, with those two guys, I mean, the, 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 that's, I mean, that's a really good guard. Ta- I hate to like keep using cliches about it. that's one of the best guard tandems in the Big 12, but it is. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I, I think there's probably about seven or eight different guard tandems you can talk about being one of the best because there's just so many good <laughs> ones. But, you know, the thing I think that intrigues me the most about TCU, and you are absolutely right, that they are extremely high variance. I, I mean, I look at their Ken Palm page, and it is ridiculous how bad they are at shooting threes. Um, and yet somehow, oh, 
like, they're horrible. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they only, they make less than 30% of their threes. They're at 352 out of 363. Like that's how yeah. bad it is. And yet they somehow are able to, you know, run the score up on people by going inside. I think that's what's very interesting about them is that they do it in a very untraditional way. Like Eddie Lampkin is the guy inside for them, but even he isn't nearly as dominant of an inside guy as you would think. Um, you know, he is, he is easily the biggest guy, but he, he, he's not one of the main contributors. He's not, you know, one of the guys that's taking a bunch of shots on the inside when they're scoring on the inside, it's usually someone else that's driving in. And, and I think that that does a lot of weird things to opponents who are trying to game plan against them because you see big guy in the middle. You think he's going to, you know, be the guy that is, is bludgeoning you on the inside. And really it's him setting up guys and clearing out space and allowing guys like Mike miles or Damian Ba to come inside and, and find ways to score the basket, you know, from inside of the arc where normally you would think the way that those offensive players are, that they would be good three point shooters, that they would have an opportunity to score from the outside. That's just not what TCU does. It's really strange. I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it. And I think part of that's been just necessity because of, you know, Micah Peavy was injured earlier this year. Mike miles has been injured a couple times this year. Um, you know, they've just had to kind of figure out how to string everything together and, it's worked in a lot of cases, but it's also failed quite spectacularly at times. Well, if they play with pace, you know, they want to get up and on the floor. And, and so it, it starts with Lampkin inside blocking shots or getting rebounds, or getting quick outlets. And yeah. that's, that's their whole deal is they want to get the ball and go. And I mean, you're right. It, it's not a team that slows the ball down and gets the ball inside and goes, you know, let their big men go to work. I mean, they, their success is predicated on Lampkin getting rebounds and outletting the ball and getting up the court. And like, that's what they do. They want to run you out of the gym. And that's like when they were playing at their best and they beat Kansas by 23 at Allen Fieldhouse is because that's what they were doing. And I, I like that kind of a test for Kansas because you're going to get teams that can do that to you in the tournament. And so you've got to figure out a way to make them play on the half court. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, and just really quick, like, do you think this is something where like, or, let me let me rephrase. Is it possible to think of anyone else as the favorite other than Kansas for this tournament, or do you think that the field is so wide open that you just can't pick a favorite right now? Yeah, I mean, certainly the, the Jayhawks should be the favorite. Um, the, the defending national champions, they they won the Big 12s outright without even having to play for it in the final day of the regular season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, they absolutely should be the favorite, um, but – as we've seen with the Big 12 this year, like this wide open. I mean, you you literally, I mean, Oklahoma, despite being the worst team in the Big 12, is still a team that's close to 500 in their overall record. This is a team that beat Alabama, the number one team in the country, by 30 points in their own gym. I mean, they beat Oklahoma, still beating good teams down to the final, you know, to the final day, right? So, like, you know, that's the struggle here is. Kansas is the favorite, but like literally anybody can get the automatic bid out of this conference. And so like, don't put it out of your mind that like Oklahoma or Texas Tech couldn't win this whole thing, especially Tech. Like, who knows what this thing looks like without Mark Adams now? And who knows how, you know, deep it went? Players not trying to play for him. So, I mean, look, it's been a league of parity to a certain degree. Obviously, Kansas ends up winning it. And it's Kansas, Baylor, and Texas as it comes down to those three, which is not a surprise when the season started, but it didn't, you know, it didn't start out like that. It didn't look like it was going to go that way. And, and, you know, so while, yeah, Kansas is and should be the favorite, um, you know, there there are nine teams aside from Kansas that are highly motivated to win this thing and two that are not going to go dancing unless they win it. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is not like, let's let's get this clear. If 
a team like Oklahoma or Texas Tech were to win it. This is not like when Georgia won, you know, the automatic right. bid for the SEC as a – I think they were under 500 at that point, and they they were like a 12-seed automatic bid from the SEC. Right. This is not that. Like, if no. a team like Oklahoma were to go on a run and get the automatic bid here, they probably are going to be like a, you know, a, an, a 7 or an 8 seed, something to that effect. Like, they would be a, a good tournament team, a team that you would expect to – have the ability to potentially make a run and be a tough matchup for whoever they were able to face in terms of high seeds in that second round. Um, now, granted, I, I wouldn't pick them to actually go ahead and do that because of the struggles that they've had this year. But again, this is such a weird conference. Like, I would not have thought Oklahoma would just slaughter TCU in that finale. Right. So, like, you know, this is this is just I, I'm excited for some very crazy basketball. I am super excited that I'm actually going to be in the building covering it. Um, so yeah. I am looking forward to all of that to see a lot of these teams in person um, and kind of figure out what the overall, you know, atmosphere is going to look like. I am, you know, we, we haven't even had time to talk about all the stuff that Brett Yormark is doing to try to get the conference to be, you know, the whole younger, hipper, cooler thing and all the stuff that he's doing with bringing in the live music acts and all the other stuff to just make this more of an event than it already is. Um, Kansas city has been known for putting on a fantastic basketball tournament for a long time. Now, they're looking at trying to turn it from just a basketball tournament that's great to an entire an event. event. So I am looking forward to that. Um, all right, what is the, you know, what is the number one thing that you're looking forward to from this week before Selection Sunday? Um, I mean, just to get the games in so that we can get to Selection Sunday to figure this thing out. But, no, I mean, look, I, I, I'm intrigued by how many bids the Big 12 is going to get. Uh, I'm intrigued by, you know, is Kansas already a one seed? I think so. But can they, you know, do they still have to push it to get the overall number one? And then how many twos is in this conference? So I think this conference is extremely, you know, has extreme depth, is great uh, in terms of the top of the conference, obviously. And so it's just going to be interesting to see kind of where it all shakes out. But um, for a, a we, what a weird year it's been in the Big 12, and yet we still end up with Kansas as, as the Big 12 champion. So I guess how weird could it be? <laughs> yeah, you know, Jerome Tang won the Big 12 Coach of the Year um, as Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander talked about over on the Ion College Basketball Podcast, I would not be shocked if Bill Self were a serious candidate for National Coach of the Year with what he's been able to do, which is really saying something when you look at this Big 12, like how difficult it's been, um, you know, how much they had to replace yeah. and for him to be able to coach at that level. And, of course, with the expectations that he was, you know, going to reload as opposed to rebuild. But, you know, reloading looked like it was going to still be a, a, a tough year where they – you know, maybe shared if they were lucky, but otherwise, you know, there was plenty of other teams that were ready to take the crown and they weren't able to do it. So I am so looking forward to, I love this week, especially because it's wall to wall basketball of conference tournaments from all over the place. In fact, as we're recording, BYU is taking on St. Mary's right now um, and not doing very well. So um, <laughs> former, or I'm sorry, future big 12 member BYU um, is not showing out very well in their final <laughs> conference game for the WCC most likely. But, but anyway, I think that's going to do it for us today. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can people get all of your work and stay up to date? On the yeah, Big make 12. sure to subscribe to SiriusXM and uh, check out Big 12 Radio. And you can tweet me at Ari Sports, A-R-I Sports. 
Awesome. Well, all right. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments. would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that. Contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including all the new ones that are coming along. Um, we have a show for pretty much every single team, and we are looking to just finish off the last few. But you can find links to all the great shows we have over at 1012network.com. Um, we are also part of the Sports Drink Network. Love working with those guys. Make sure you visit everything that they do there all over the place. Make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, PricePix.com. Use promo code CHALK12 to get great deals over there. I'm rocking this fantastic Homefield Apparel shirt right now. You guys are going to find some great stuff over there. But thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.